Welcome to another Friday with Speaking for Him. I'm Dan Van Zalen, and here's your host, Andrew Gommerson. Hello, Dan. It's great to be with you. And today, we're wrapping up our series on Who is Jesus? Obviously, it's not an exhaustive series, but um, <laughs> I think we've t- touched on some great highlights for this series. And this is a really important episode. Um, it's called Jesus Did All the Work. And essentially... What we're going to talk about today is that there was nothing in us that was worth saving or that we could save ourselves. We needed an intermediary. We needed Jesus to come and do the work necessary for our salvation so that we could attain it, so that we could be worthy of him and of heaven. Yep. So um, why don't you start us off with our quote of the day? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17.9. And this basically uh, goes right back to the basics. Um, if any of us starts to think that we're good, we can think about this scripture. So the heart of man is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? That means my heart apart from God, apart from his grace and working in my life is totally wicked. Self-deception and- too. Well, self-deception too, we, we tend to think that we're great and then we realize when God deals with us one-on-one, hey, you're not that great. <laughs> and if we're all honest, we've had times in our secret place where we have bad thoughts or we do things that we regret doing, but God's grace is what sees us through. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to just read these headings and then Dan will read the verses and we'll discuss them together. The first one is, no one seeks after God. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Romans three ten through 11. And this is another tough one for people because we have the predestination versus free will debate in Christian circles. Oh, yeah, that's and a big one. First of all, let me preface this by saying I believe that both coexist beautifully in the pages of Scripture. It's very evident from this Scripture that nothing in us, has the capacity to seek after God of our natural volition. Yes. But that's why Jesus came down to earth to reach out to sinful men, to show them their need for a Savior. And I believe he still does that reaching today where he reaches down and says, you need me. You might not have known you needed me, but you need me. And in, in essence, without doing it in an audible way, There was a time in my life where he called my name and he said, Andrew, I want to make you more than you are. Not only that, I want to not just, not just remake who you are, but make a new you. There's a, there's a popular quote that says this. God did not come to make, uh, bad people good as much as he came to make dead people alive. The Bible says we were dead in trespasses and sins. But he made us alive through Christ. And so <clears throat> that's an important thing for us to know. Yeah. Jesus came to seek us. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10. Again, th- this is an interesting scripture because, interestingly enough, it does not appear in the NIV version. And I throw that out there just to say that we need to be careful about what we are using for the Bible. I think that the King James 
um, is a very accurate translation. Now, I'm not King James only, and I use a lot of versions for study, but I think it's important to realize what's in certain versions, what's not, and especially as we're getting into more modern translations, to realize how they can might might be changed or reworded um, to suit yes. people rather than to follow the, the biblical uh, mandate of being as close to God's words as possible. That's so, always a hard thing for people who are trying to make it so that the words they print for the Bible are understood by the people of the time, but they also have to try to make sure that it retains the spirit of what God said. And I think I told you once before, too, that one of the reasons I like the King James is because it encourages me to study more. Yes. Because if I read a more modern translation and I read it in English and I'm just like, oh, that makes sense in English, I'll just leave it be and let it say what it says and not do any study, then I can do myself a disservice. Yeah, that can happen. So, but yeah, it is true that Jesus came down to seek us. And another passage that we um, can bring up is that it says in Galatians that in the fullness of time, that means when when God said it was time, he came to redeem us who yep. were under the law because we could not fulfill the law. Yeah. And uh, so do you have any additional thoughts on these first two? Yes. Well, um, the way the way that says that, that no one seeks after God, but God seeks after us, it reminded me actually of a quote from Albert Einstein. It's a very simple quote. God doesn't play dice. He doesn't leave anything. He doesn't leave things to chance when it comes to us. He comes to us, and then we have a choice to make. We either have, say that we don't want anything to do with God, and then God will respect that and leave, or we say, "I want God, but I don't know how," and then God shows us the way. Absolutely, that's a great way to put it, um, because He doesn't force Himself on us. Yet there is a sense if you listen to any number of testimonies. There is a sense that God lovingly pursues people, certain people especially, until they break down and say, okay, God, I get it. I mean, you've been lovingly chasing me, and now I finally surrender. I can definitely reflect back on some years of that myself, even though I was saved at a young age, to realize as a teenager that I was struggling with my self-identity, and he continued to pursue me until I was able to make a full surrender that's a good point even when you even when you give yourself to christ that doesn't mean that god won't stop pursuing you it won't stop trying to help you absolutely so our third one is jesus fulfilled the law think not that i am come to destroy the law or the prophets i am not come to destroy but to fulfill matthew five seventeen. and in this passage we see that um, Jesus is saying, I'm coming to fulfill the law. So he didn't throw out the law, but he does say to us, you can't fulfill it on your own. Yep. So I'm going to come and I'm going to fulfill it for you because there is no way that you can do it. And the Bible says that the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So as we study the law in the Old Testament, we see there's no way I can do all that stuff. Yep. And in fact, Jesus said to the Pharisees, who incidentally added to God's law even more laws, which doesn't yes. make sense to me because they already couldn't fulfill the ones that were there. But he basically said to them, you give 
your people, the people under your charge, burdens that even you can't bear. And yet you're telling them they have to do it. Yeah, one of those laws, if I remember right, there was a a white line strung around the city of Jerusalem, and you're only allowed to take 1,200 steps outside that line on the Sabbath. Mm, It's very interesting. Uh, I kind of learned about a Sabbath day's walk when I was preaching from the first part of Acts. Yep. um, Because they, they they took like a Sabbath day's walk out to... Um, be with Jesus when he was going, when he was ascending, and then he said, "Go back to Jerusalem and, and wait for the Spirit." Yep. And originally, I had talked about it being a long walk, and then I, upon further research, I realized that they weren't allowed to walk very far. No, no, not at Sabbath all. Day, so it's one of those laws the Pharisees and Sadducees put into place to make certain people didn't work on the Sabbath. And isn't it interesting that they always complain about Jesus working on the Sabbath when basically all he did was say words and people were healed, but they still said you're working on the Sabbath. Yep. I always found that comical that it is. He he did less work than any of them did on the Sabbath, probably. Oh, they had to walk a long ways to find him. Because like you because <laughs> like you pointed out, you know, if your beast falls in a hole on the Sabbath, you're gonna dig him out. Yes. <laughs> you're not gonna leave him there. So. And, they, and what's even what's even more comically hilarious is how comically they miss the point to that law. God says, "Don't work on the Sabbath." That doesn't mean you don't do work like things on that the Sabbath need, that you need to survive. Yes, it means that you don't go out and do your job on the Sabbath. You're supposed to rest from your job. That doesn't mean that you necessarily have to rest from working to live your life or to teach your children or or yeah. rescue your animals yeah. or what have you. Exactly. Next is he gave himself for us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 And this is Paul talking about his change of life. Remember, he was Saul of Tarsus in the beginning of Acts chapter 9. The end of Acts chapter 9, God knocks him off his high horse, quite literally. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, then he does a 180. And the zeal that he used to persecute the church, he uses to preach the gospel. And isn't that a wonderful thing? It is. Because the zeal was right. It was just misdirected. And God yes. redirected it and made him a great missionary for the things of God. And he says, I am crucified with Christ. I live, but more than me living, it's Christ living in me. It's that new life we were talking about. Yes. How he made a dead man alive and it makes for such a great song too well that's true it does but the reason it makes a great song is because it's a great truth yes so before we go on to the last one do you have any additional thoughts on these last two that we've talked about i know you've been interjecting pretty well but i just thought wondered if you had any additional thoughts well um for this last point particularly the the quote for galatians it, it reminds me that um now that I think about it once more after I'm not thinking about it for a while, bad Dan, but uh, it, it reminds me that even when I you know, screw up and I fall over and I live in the flesh, that's not the end. It really isn't. Even though I'm living in the flesh and I'm uncomfortably aware that I do that far too often, 
I still have the faith and with through the faith, God can fix me. God can set me straight and, you know, use me for his good. And, and that's a wonderful, a glorious thing. And I am so happy. It's true. It is very true. And a matter of fact, the same writer, Paul in Philippians chapter one, six, he said, he who have begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's another actually great verse. About him doing the work. And notice that he doesn't say uh, he'll com- continue the work until you die. He says, I'm going to continue doing the work until Jesus comes back, which is a distinction that many people seem to miss. All right. Finally, he is the only way. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John 3.18 Now, in some ways, it may seem like we kind of talked about this when we talked about Jesus being the way of salvation. But this is such a key point that it's worth mentioning here as well. Uh, There are many circles of religious people who say there are many ways to God. Now, I will admit it to this degree, that there are many journeys that God leads us on to bring us to Jesus. If Dan and I talked about our stories about how Jesus became real to us, we would both have very different experiences. But it's still the same Jesus. Yes. And there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Yep. And it says very simply, there is no middle ground. No. There's no fence. There's no purgatory. Either you believe and you have salvation or you don't, or you you're don't condemned. believe and you're condemned because of your unbelief. <laughs> yep. And even so, a lot of people, especially a lot of the religions that say there are many ways to heaven, tend to forget that it's not heaven. There's many paths to find Christ. And there's many paths that Christ might set you on to do his work. But Christ is literally the only way, the one and only path. Yeah, you can't. There's nothing in us that makes us worthy. So... There's no chance of, of getting to a place in our own personal personhood where we achieve nirvana or the level of perfection that we're looking for. That's why Jesus reached out to us. It says in Romans, while we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly in due time. Again, talking about God's timing. God's timing is always correct. Now, I'm sure some of these people in the, in the Old Testament who are waiting for Jesus... We're wondering why he was taking so long. Yep. But ultimately his timing is correct. And I'm sure some of us who are waiting for his return wonder at times why he's taking so long. When I was waiting a few weeks ago for my grandfather's funeral, I was like, you know, God, this would be a good day for you to come back. Take my grandpa and then bring me up (laughs) a few seconds later. And then we can just meet each other in the air. We don't have to spend... Any time apart. Another time was when I was about to have back surgery as a teenager. I was like, God, if you could come back before the back surgery, that would be awesome. (laughs) I'd be really grateful. (laughs) But I realized even as I'm saying those things, that those are very selfish motives. Yes. For wanting Jesus to come back. Because notice in both those cases, it wasn't about me seeing him. It's that about I was you being focusing. released from the pain. Yes. So I just, I say that just to say that 
as much as we should long for heaven, we need to long for heaven because we long for him. Yeah. It's like I saw I saw this this saying that a lot of times people say, if you come to Jesus, you'll get all this great wealth, all this great <laughs> grace, so everything will work out right for you. But it, it pointed out that the main reality is that he does give us some bonuses. He does give us blessings. Yes. But the main reality is we need to come to Jesus to get Jesus. Yes. And all that, those extra things are things that are waiting for us yes. after. Yep. And he, he delights to add those things to us. He says every good and perfect gift comes from him. So he delights to give us those things. But he do, that's not the primary. The primary is come to Jesus to get Jesus. We all need Jesus. And I know that you need Jesus, whoever is listening. And if you have not yet made Jesus the Lord of your life, I hope that you will do so today. Just pray a simple prayer. I'm not even going to give you any words because it's not about the words. It's about just praying a simple prayer by faith saying, Jesus, I need you. I can't do it on my own. Like we said earlier in the podcast, we're all wicked. Apart from God, there's nothing in ourselves that can do it. But if we trust him, he will pass us from death to life. That's about all I have for this week. But I just want to encourage you to listen to these podcasts about who is Jesus If you'd like to get a copy, first of all, you can download them free from the website. Second of all, if you'd really like to get a CD copy, you can contact us. We'll do our best to get one in your hands so you can share it with people that are not online. But make sure that you contact us with any questions or concerns at the end with the information that we'll roll at the end of the show. And so for now, I say have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 